pray for our time. Father God, again, thank you so much for our new day. Thank you that you are God and God alone. Thank you that you love us. God, thank you that your mercy is new every morning. God, we thank you that your love endures forever, God. So Lord, we pray that as we come together to worship you and to honor you, Father God. Yes. Speak to us, Lord Jesus. Yes. Show us that if there's any wicked way within us, that we will expose it to the light and that we will walk in that freedom that you purchased at the cross 2,000 years ago. So we thank you, Father, for your Son, for mercy, for grace, for forgiveness, for your love. We thank you for that, Lord Jesus. So we pray, Father, that this time together will be a pleasing aroma to you, Father God. Yes, Father. So we thank you, Father, for the freedom that we have, that we can come together and worship you in the spirit and truth. So we love you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
Thank you, Lord Jesus. God, that you are on the throne. Father, that you are the victorious one. Father, that you are our strong tower. You are our defender. You are our strength and our shield. You are our provider, Father, and our healer. You are God and God alone. And Father, there is no one like you. For you are holy, holy, holy. So Father, thank you yet for another day of life. Your mercies are new every morning, Father. Oh God, I pray that we would fix our eyes upon Jesus. God, that we would love you with our whole being. And that, Father, we would yield our lives to the leading of your Holy Spirit. That our roots may go down deep into Christ. And that our lives would bring glory and honor into your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go to John chapter 16, verse 8 through 11. It's Pentecost Sunday. And so we're going to look at some scriptures before we get into walking through the Bible um, regarding the Holy Spirit. But before we do that, we are witnessing craziness in our nation. The riots, the looting, the anger, everything is in utter chaos and turmoil. And so as Christians, how are we to respond? And I want to encourage you, before we get into Scripture, to seek Christ in the midst of chaos. Jesus ministered during a time when there was such chaos going on when there was a revolt against the established government that was oppressing the Israelites. In fact, do we remember the name that the crowd chanted that they wanted released and not Jesus? They wanted Barabbas. They cried out for Barabbas to be released. He was an organizer of chaos. What was Jesus' response to the chaos? It was the cross. It was the cross. So how are are Christians to respond during times like this? Or like these? The cross. Die to yourself. Pick up your cross... (laughs) And follow him. Racism is a sin. Murder is a sin. Strife, chaos, division, looting, destroying property. It's all a sin. Everything that we are witnessing is sin manifesting before our eyes. And yet people are feeding in to it. I'm all for peaceful protest, but I'm totally against, as the Word of God is against, to stand for an organized agenda to destroy a nation. 
to destroy the lives of people, innocent people. As Christians, we are to come together and we are to be the peacemakers. We are to be praying. We are to be encouraging. We are to be edifying people. We're not to be linking arms with them. No, there's another way. We're to point them to Jesus. There's nothing on this earth that we should be clinging tightly to. We should be clinging to Christ and to Christ alone. So, oh, how I pray that we as Christians would recognize the times, that we would truly see, and as I've been encouraging us for the past few years, as the Word of God encourages us, things are going to keep continue to get worse. We go from living in isolation, dealing with a plague, and now we're dealing with chaos, utter chaos and confusion and disorder. And for what? We're not honoring George's life by all this chaos and confusion. We need to honor the man's life. If, if that's going to be the motivation of people getting up and getting out on the streets, then honor his life. Do it in a peaceful way. Get out there and educate yourself on how to handle and address situations that come up. But do not give in to the agenda that is driving the masses, that's leading to destruction. We are to be a people of peace. We can stand for truth. And we can be bold in our witness. But we are not to be destructive with our mouths or with our hands. Because we understand as Christians that we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but with principalities and rulers in the air and the darkness. And we are to be, like Second Timothy calls us to be, good soldiers that do not get entangled up in civilian affairs. Because if we do, we cannot please the one in whom we are serving. Again, let us seek Christ in these days and the days to come. And let us hold out for hope that we find in Christ. The hope that will never disappoint one who is truly seeking Him. John chapter 6 and 16. It's Pentecost Sunday. Verse 8 through 11 is where I want to start. It's scriptures that we read a few weeks ago. I want to keep bringing them back to us. And when He comes... He, being the Holy Spirit, He will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in Me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see Me no more. And judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. <laughs> the work of the Holy Spirit He's come to convict us of our sin. He's come to reveal the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. And He comes to bring understanding of the judgment that is to come. The judgment that this earth deserves and those who refuse to turn to Christ. The judgment of God. 
Remember, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Jesus says, I didn't come to, to, to judge the world. I come to save the world because Jesus understands the condition of this world. He knows the judgment is, is coming. He knows that these people, us, are in total rebellion against God if we are not in Christ. He understands the condition of man's heart. That's why he's come to deliver us. I was sharing with Gilda and Norman the other night, and it, 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 it's fascinating when you're reading Scripture. And these were chaotic times then as they are now and as times will continue to be. And yes, Jesus healed people. And yes, Jesus provided for people. But he didn't heal everyone. And not everyone was provided for. The chaos didn't cease. No, the world and its rebellion and its nature of sin was ever increasing. Jesus didn't come to bring peace to the earth. And that's what's so twisted when we hear the gospel being twisted as if that's what we are seeking for is peace on this earth. Everything to be made right, everything to be good for me, bless me. I want to have over in the abundance of things. <laughs> this king, this this kingdom, this world is not his kingdom. He knew his purpose. He knew his purpose. It was to gather people to himself as from the beginning. God's purpose, and every one of you should know this by now, from the beginning to the end, is that he will have a people that he will call his own, and in return, they will call him their God. That they would live for him, that they would honor him, because their eyes have been opened to see him for all that he is. When your eyes are open to the fullness of who God is, you can't help but bow, because you see your lowly state. You see your need for a Savior. You've been convicted of your sins. You've seen the righteousness of God through Christ, and you understand the judgment that is coming. That's why we don't get entangled with the world. We know what is coming. That's why our roots need to grow down deep. That's why Jesus says, I have to go away so that he will come, the Holy Spirit. I know we should be celebrating Pentecost this morning. Go to Acts chapter 2. Acts 2. The promise of the Holy Spirit fulfilled. The Holy Spirit comes. Remember the disciples and the others are gathered up in the upper room. And scripture reads here, I'm going to read chapter 2, 1 through 47. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames of tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. 
and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Who gave them this ability? The Holy Spirit. And these were other languages. These are not the spiritual gift of tongues. These were other languages that these individuals had never learned, and yet now they're speaking, and we're going to get under understanding of why the Holy Spirit moved that way. Now, other parts of scriptures you can see about the, the gift of tongues, but this, again, is just other languages. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear, look at this, their own language being spoken by the believers. All of a sudden, all these people from all these other nations were beginning to hear the good news, the gospel, that which was being shared from these believers who have now been filled with the Holy Spirit. They now hear it in their own language. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, and they list all these languages through verse 12. Then it says, they stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, They are just drunk. That's all. Isn't it amazing? When the Spirit of God moves and miraculously strengthens His people, those who are lost, those who are of the world, those who do not understand, mock it. And it's interesting, too, don't miss the significance of the earlier in chapter 2 when it says all the believers were together. It is vital that we are together, that we come together to worship, to seek Christ, to hear from Him, to learn of Him, to edify and to build each other up. We should come being expecting the Lord to be among us, with us, as He is in us. It goes on here in verse 14. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. And here's the prophecy. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men will see visions and old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike. And they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before that great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, look at this, will be saved. People of Israel, listen, God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene. 
by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. But God knew what would happen. And he prearranged, and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of the lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life. For death, come on, could not keep him in its grip. King David said this about him. I see that the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad and my tongue shouts his praise. Praises. My body rests in hope, for you will not leave my soul, look at this, among the dead, or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You have shown me the way of life, and you will fill me with joy of your presence. Dear brothers, think about this. You can be sure that the patriarch David wasn't referring to himself, for he died and was buried, and his tomb is still here among us. But he was a prophet, and he knew God had promised with an oath that one of David's own descendants would sit on his throne. David was looking into the future and speaking of the Messiah's resurrection. He was saying that God would not leave him among the dead or allow his body to rot in the grave. God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this. Now he is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the Father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us just as you see and hear today. For David himself never ascended into heaven, yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Peter's words, look at this, pierced their hearts and they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? And Peter replied, Each of you must, look at this, Repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourself from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. Praise be to God. The gospel was preached. The Holy Spirit was convicting people of their sin, was revealing the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus, and was making known the judgment that was to come. People came to Christ. They were saved. They were delivered out of this crooked and perverse generation. And from this, let's end with verse 42 through 47. A community was formed. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. 
a deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Ah, come on, you all. This, this is a gift from God. God himself, the Holy Spirit, given to us, lives in us, if we are believers, empowers us to do the miraculous, to live upright in a crooked and perverse generation. We're no longer clinging to the temporalness of this life, to the things of this life, now we're clinging to Christ. Oh, we should be filled with joy and peace, even in the midst of confusing times. We have work to do. We have the gospel to share. We're called to live in fellowship, in unity. We're to come together. We're to share together. <laughs> We're to come along and help each other. The community of, the, of believers. Jesus says, they will know that you belong to me by the love for one another. Our love for one another. Not for the love for the world. Yes, you should love the lost. But there's something special about a church. <laughs> the church. A group of people who have one purpose. To love the Lord their God. To honor him. And from that, everything else comes. It flows. We naturally just love each other, to encourage each other, to support each other, to give our resources and our time to, to advance the kingdom of God. And so those on the outside look in and say, there's something different about you all, the church at large. And then they're drawn to Christ by His love. And then we love them as He would to encourage them to see them grow so that they then will go forth and impact other lives as they're just going about their day-to-day -day life. Oh, we're Christians, you all. So Pentecost Sunday is a day to truly celebrate. I'm going to open up again. We've already had a time of worship, but we're going to have another time of worship. And as this first song is being played, I'm going to have Norma pass out the elements for communion. We're going to take communion together. But I would just encourage you to allow this song to just minister to you. Worship our King. Acknowledge Him. If you found yourself wrapped up in sin this week and sin this morning and things and doing things you know you ought not to do, this is the time to do what the Bible says as the Spirit of God brings conviction to throw off the sin that so easily entangles you. And to truly embrace Christ for who he is. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen. So Norma, if you'll come and pass these out for us while the song plays.
Oh
Norma, would you come and pray over the bread, please? Father, we thank you, Lord, as we hold this cup in our hands. Father, that it symbolizes your blood. We thank you, Jesus, that you willingly laid your body down and every drop of blood was poured from it. It's your blood that cleanses us makes us whiter than snow. It's in the blood of Christ that our sins are forgiven. So Father, we thank you. Strengthen your people, Lord, I pray this day. And so we come to do this in remembrance of you. In Jesus' name. 